Welcome to a live preaching message from the Kadesh Family Church, Manhattan, New York City. Kadesh Family Church, Manhattan, is the Apache of the Kadesh Family Churches in North America, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively for present-day living. Our aim is to provide solid foundation of Bible-based instruction to our church members, to equip them to preach and teach the gospel wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. So this song is our testimony. Can we share with you this morning? I am who I am because of you. If it had not been for you, tell me where would I be? I was lost and sinking deep in sin. But you reached out your hand and rescued me. No one else could do the things you do. No one else but you. I am who I am because of you. If it had not been for you, tell me where would I be? I was lost and sinking deep in sin. But you reached out of your hand and rescued me. No one else could do the things you do. Oh God, no one else but you. No one else but you. No one else but you. Ladies and gentlemen, Marie Alice. Never thought that you could love someone like me. Oh, no, 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 no,
very familiar to us, one that is going to bring encouragement, one that is going to bring restoration. This vessel is full of wisdom, let me tell you. She doesn't speak Proverbs, she speaks the Word of God. Today your life will be changed as you submit yourself and listen to what this special vessel has for us with a standing ovation. 
let's welcome our own lady pastor Elaine. They both did such an amazing job, you know, considering that they don't even come from Ghana. So it shows that anybody who takes their ministry in church seriously, that's well in it. It's just a, a testimony to how serious they take what they do. So they have to learn a song and they have to minister. It doesn't matter what language it's in, they can deliver. Um, we prayed about the offering already? Okay. So shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for your blessings. I stand with all the mothers today, and we say thank you for seeing us through another year. Thank you for being with us as, a, as the family of God. Thank you for providing us a place to meet. Thank you for providing homes for all our families. Thank you for taking care of our children. Thank you for seeing us through difficult times, for seeing us through good times, for seeing us through ordinary times. It is my prayer that today you will speak to us as mothers, you will speak to everyone else here, speak your word, shine a light, give us direction, feed our souls, bless our hearts. We give you praise and we give you thanksgiving. Thank you so much, Lord. Amen. Amen. You see the song we were just singing? Every time we sing it, I remember Apostle Joel saying, I believe it was at a pastor's meeting, and he said, that song is always sounds powerful when you are not the person preaching. Because as the people are saying that, we won't be satisfied with anything ordinary. <laughs> you get me? And you are the one coming to minister. <laughs> you, you realize that it's your message they are talking about. But when you are standing there saying, we won't be satisfied with anything ordinary. I mean, it's, and the song, and when it's well, sung well, Everybody's moving, everybody's happy, everybody's talking about the heavens opening, and then you realize, Apostle says, until you realize that today the message is coming from you, then you will really look up to the heavens because you know that you are quite ordinary. But anyway, happy Mother's Day. Kofi, I can't see, you see, the thing about me is that I need my glasses to read. So when I put my glasses on, it means I can't see anything you are showing me. So if I overlap your time, that's the reason. So at a point, just signal me to take the glasses off. Because I need the glasses to read, but when I wear them, I can't see you well, which helps 
with um, being self-conscious. Since I can't see you, I can, be, I can feel free. <laughs> I want to talk today to mothers about, and I hope everybody else learns something. We are all Christians, so when they are talking about something and strong men, a woman can learn something. That's the amazing thing about the Bible. And when they're talking about Peter and the fisherman, a woman can learn something. And when you're talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, a man can learn something. The Bible from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, every Christian can always learn something. Nobody's too old to learn. Nobody's too young to learn. The same story you tell little children, reverence class in the back during lay school, is the same story you tell the people with PhDs. It doesn't make any difference. The Bible is the Bible. The question is whether the Holy Spirit is moving, I mean, in you or not. The Bible makes holes in everyone's heart. There's a Swahili proverb like that. It makes holes in your heart. Until it makes holes in your heart, it's just like any other piece of, it could be a newspaper, it could be the New York Times, it could be the Daily Graphic. If the Holy Spirit is not speaking to you, it sounds like so much rubbish sometimes, depending on who you are. But when you are a person of faith, it always ministers to you. You may not particularly care for what it is saying, you may not feel like doing it, but the word is the word, and it always ministers to us. Today I want to talk to mothers about, Mother, what will you be remembered for? Mother, what will you be remembered for? Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, please. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Okay, please don't do this. Okay, you see, the high-tech stuff. I haven't been here since you got this, so, okay. So I don't have to turn around. That's what it means, right? I don't have to turn around. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. The King James Version says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in you also. Okay, give us a more reader-friendly version. Give me the Message Bible, for example. The Message Bible, please. It says, this is why I remind you to fan into flame. This is verse 6, please. I need the verse that has Eunice and Lois in it. Verse 5, thank you. I know that you sincerely trust the Lord, for you have the faith of your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois. The faith of your mother Lois and your grandmother Lois. This is the New Living Translation. Do you have the message, please? Because the message uses the word I think on, honest and the NASB uses the word sincere. The, either the message or the NASB. Okay, so this is the New American Standard Bible. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Timothy was a young pastor. The Apostle Paul was his father in the ministry, his spiritual father. And he was writing to Timothy, and he was saying, I am mindful, I remember the sincere faith within you. You see, every time you see an adjective in the Bible, it means that there can be an opposite. And you have to ask yourself, are you, do you fit into the, that description, or do you fit into the opposite? So when something is sincere, it is genuine. When something is sincere, it is not hypocritical. When something is sincere, it is real. It is not fake. These days we hear so much about fake news. I mean, so people wonder what is the real news, what is the fake news. I guess it depends which party you belong to and don't belong to. But by the grace of God, we are in the church of God. So when we say something is sincere, it's sincere. And when we say something is not sincere, it's not sincere. So a sincere faith, what would be a sincere faith? You are a mother here, biological, spiritual. What kind of faith will you be remembered for? When your children think about you, what kind of faith will they remember? Will they remember that in our house, being Christian, Reverend was talking in the first service about how we can check a box, Christian, Muslim, Hindu, whatever. In the, I believe he said in the hospital that there's a part of the forms that say that, or wherever it says that, and you check Christian. And um, fortunately or unfortunately for you and I, or you and I, depending on how you look at it, the thing about Christianity is that you can't just be born into a Christian home and be a Christian. It's not like a lot of other religions. 
You can't, you, you can't have a Christian father and makes you a Christian. That conception from, in, I mean, from in some of our cultures and all over the world is not true according to the Bible. According to the Bible, Jesus, I mean, uh, Jesus told Nicodemus that except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of heaven. So you need to be born again yourself. You need your own relationship with God. You need, you, you, you need to come to God yourself. You need to trust him for salvation yourself. You need to invite him into your heart yourself. So a sincere faith starts with your own personal relationship with God. But when your children and your grandchildren, you know, there's a time when you read this verse, the grandmother part doesn't affect, will bother you, but as life goes on, you realize that you better start including the grandmothers because um, you are, I mean, getting, approaching the era. So you suddenly realize that the, the, word, the, 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 the word grandmother law is, you know, it's really, really as important as, the, as, as units. Depending on your age group, you understand what I'm saying. So what kind of faith would you be remembered for? Because there are different kinds of faith. There are people who think that they are Christians because their ancestors sing um, a lot of gospel songs or, their gram or, or hymns for that matter because your grandmother can sing all the hymns in the Methodist hymnal. You think you are a Christian. You get me? Um, I have a relative who went to his son's christening and when he went to the son's christening it was an Anglican church in the 70s in Ghana and they asked the, the priest, you know, the priest uh, likes trouble because depending on when you see certain types of people in coming to dedicate their child. You know, you know, they come to baptize their child. You don't say certain things. So the priest says to this man who has a degree or two, what is the child's Christian name? And then he turns and educates the priest. He says, there's no such thing as a Christian name. It's an English name you're asking for, and it's my son, and I don't have one for him. And the priest says, you must have one. He says, show me in the Bible, where it says that I must have a Christian name. So he gives the priest, the priest about two or three um, names from his tribe, a tribe beginning with a G. So you can imagine his wife is feeling very embarrassed and saying, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. And he is still saying no. There is, it is, it's not a Christian name. The man is asking me for an English name in a village in Africa. And I refuse to give him an English name. My, this is my son's name. Will he baptize my son or not baptize my son? You know, as for, as, for, as for Germans, wherever we are, we can give you definitions. We, the, the thing is not the fact that the definition is wrong. The fact is the fact that we are insisting on your way all the time. And it's not necessary. His wife was right. It's not necessary to insist. Since the priest said English name, even if you are going to explain it to the priest, don't do it in front of the whole church. Like explaining to the priest why, you know. And recently the man's son, who doesn't remember the incident was reminding me of all his three gun names. But anyway, <laughs> Germans can always give you a definition because they, they, they feel that if they give you a definition, you will be swayed to see why what you are doing is wrong. The thing about them is that all, the, all their definitions prove that other people are wrong. <laughs> their definitions normally don't have anything to do with their own bad behavior. Okay, let's get back to the mothers. So, if, um, why did I tell you that story? I haven't preached in a long time. You have to, pardon? What will you be remembered for? Will your children just remember stories like this about you arguing with pastors or arguing about things pastors have said? What will your children remember about your faith or so-called faith? What will your children remember? What will your grand... You know, the thing about children is that they are not easily deceived. And um, they actually know who you really are. You, you get me? They are not deceived at all. I heard a story that shook me some years back because Bishop has a way of telling stories. He told a story about a pastor's wife. I don't know what was happening in the country where she was at. But I think the marriage was obviously in trouble. And her children said, our mother never reads the Bible unless she's going to preach. Her children say, you see, when your children say something, it, 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 I mean, it, they should, I, I think they shouldn't have said it since the couple was that prominent. But having said it, the trouble she was causing in that whole area also made the children feel that they had to defend their father. So in defending their father, this is what they say. If your children say you don't read the Bible unless you are going to preach, it's an indictment. 
on you, what you call faith and what you call Christianity. You are, ch- you are children. You see, because you are children, you see, Sunday morning, we all have a version of ourselves that we present. Like, you know, Bishop says, the New International Version, the King James Version, the English Standard Version. It's a different version depending on who we are talking to. How do you know that we have a different version? Because I, I think it was Apostle who said in Holy Cross that, you get me, women have different levels of voices. You see, I, I'm not a singer, so I didn't know. So there's an alto, or uh, which, is, which one is the high one? Soprano. Huh? So there's soprano for the pastor and bass for the husband. So depending, <laughs> depending on which, which nerve you touch, the same person who turned around and said, Nyaminadum can turn around and say, why? And, and add a few more, you know, phrases, yes. It's like the, the same person who just turned and said, and you know you have control over it. You know how you know you have control over it? Because when, you're, when you see your pastor, all those attitudes vanish. That's how you know you have control over it. You know, because I had a, I had a woman of God on TV say that, you know, the other way you know you have control over it is that if your pastor came to your door, no matter how angry you are, you would, it would take a really special person not to find the soprano voice. It will take a really special person. The soprano voice will come up immediately, no matter how much you were just ye- yelling inside. You, you, you get what I'm saying? The soprano. So what will your children remember about your faith? Because if your faith is a genuine one like Lois and Eunice, they will remember that you read the Bible. They will remember that Christianity means that the Bible is read frequently and that you talk to them about reading the Bible, and that the Bible stories are not just Anansi stories or fairy tales or, you know, fake news on TV, depending on, you know, which side you belong to. Fake news, real news, it seems to depend where you are coming from these days. So is your faith as a mother, is it a real faith or a counterfeit faith? Because it seems as though Lois and Eunice, the faith they had, when when their son's ministry, as Paul thought about it, I mean, uh, wrote to the, the son, the pastor, he could still remember those two godly women. Will anybody remember that you are godly or that you were godly? When you are not around, what will everybody remember? What about your faith will they remember? You know, when you ask people about their faith, sometimes they talk about what they, I believe, I believe, I believe. The thing about saying that you believe is that According to the Bible, believe in, turn with me in your Bible to James chapter 2 and verse 9. James chapter 2 verse 9. The thing about believing is that even the demons believe and tremble. So believing per se doesn't get you very far in spiritual things. Even demons believe. You know, we sing that song and we say, demons tremble at your presence. It's the truth. Even demons tremble in his presence. So trembling in his presence per se is not a sign of no, James, I've given you the wrong verse. Find me the verse that says that even the demons... Be- I've given you the wrong verse. I need, that, I, need, I need James 2 for something else. Can someone find me that verse, please? Even the demons believe and tremble. You see, when you, when you sing the song, demons, it's not enough to believe. You believe, you confess, and then like Reverend was showing us this morning, there's evidence of the change. There's evidence of the fact that you are a new creation. Will your children remember that you believe? What will they remember about you? Okay, it's the, it's that 2.19. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe in shadow. You do well to believe. But it just moves you into the class of the demons. Same class as the demons. Because they also believe, and sometimes they do one better than you and I. They actually shudder and tremble. They are intimidated by the fact that God is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. They, it, 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 it makes them tremble. It makes them afraid. But you, even knowing that, doesn't do much to you. You get me? Depending on who you are, it doesn't do much to you. So just believing is not enough. If you believe and it puts you in the same class as the demons, it's like being in school, you are failing a subject, and then you study enough to get a D. So you have moved from F to D. Moving from F to D is not good enough. It's not good enough. Moving from not believing to believing is not good enough. 
what will mother, mother, what will your children remember about your faith? Will they remember that church was important to you? That no matter how tired you were, you came to church? That no matter how good a, a paycheck you got, you came to church? That no matter how difficult your life was, you came to church? That whether your marriage was working or not working, you came to church? Will your children remember that? Will they remember that um, if every social occasion uh, that comes up on a Sunday means that there's no church in your house? Uh, my relatives in this country, they stopped inviting me to social occasions on Sunday a long time ago. They don't even invite me to the ones on Saturday because it, it won't happen. I won't come. I will not be there. I, sh I must drive to Maryland for this traditional engagement. For what reason are we driving to Maryland? So that we can all just compare whose husband has more money and whose car is bigger and who is holding what bag. For what reason will I do such a thing? There must be a very important reason for me to drive to Maryland. I should come and join people. Which is very distant relationships where you must even be, when you are being introduced, you all don't know each other. It takes some older woman who has been living here for 40 years to say who is whose niece and whose father is who and this grandmother's brother. I mean, why are we making all these connections so far away from where it actually began? Just so that we can compare status in this country. If there's a good reason. Recently, an uncle was very sick and he had been flown in here and he had passed away. And so, a reverend was kind enough to go with me. We had to go and see his daughter because uh, those, they were close enough, and then there was a good reason to go. She had lost her dad. And she was talking about all the strange people who came by the hospital. And she and I had a good laugh. Because it's, it's, it's the, even the person who has come to visit the sick man must be introduced to you. And you don't know any. And in her case, she's a good almost eight, nine years younger than me. So she doesn't even know some of the people who live in the area. And she, mind you, she's lived, there, lived in this country for quite a while. She doesn't even know some of the people. If, you, if, if the person doesn't know you, why do you go and visit the old man? And would you have gone if they actually needed help? You know, rich people have a lot of friends. The Bible says it. The rich people, they have a lot of friends. And the poor man, even his neighbor is far from him. So you can tell that this relative had something. That is the reason why even on his dying bed, all kinds of odd people were showing up. <laughs> all kinds of odd people were showing up to be introduced to a dying man who didn't want to. So she said to me that, depending on who came in the room, her dad acted like he was sleeping. He's passed away now. <laughs> God bless his soul. But he would act, and depending on who else was there, he would at least, even though he was weak, open his eyes. Why do you go to a place where when somebody hears your voice, he closes his eyes? There's not, it's not a good reason for moving around. You know, some of us, we need a good reason for moving around because our natural personality does not like movement. I'm always impressed by people who always want to go somewhere. There are places to go and people to see, as one of my friends would say. Places to go and people, who, people to see. For what? They don't have anywhere to go and, and nowhere to see. I only go to necessary places. There's a pro of course, there's a problem with that kind of personality too. But what I'm saying is that your faith must, your children must remember that when people invite you to occasions, there's nothing wrong with going to all your friends' and neighbors' occasions. Some of you, the way your personality is uh, QFC and Lighthouse alone is not enough to fill your social calendar. You see, my, my social calendar is full. Lighthouse alone is, uh, is a job. Uh, El Pac told me a long time ago, Lighthouse is a whole career. You get me? By the time I'm done with Lighthouse, it's one whole career. I, social calendar is full, booked. I like, it's, like I said before, a really good reason to be going somewhere. Think about how often we travel just for church. Uh, we travel so much for church. If you are serious about what you are doing, you travel a lot because of church. The reason why you don't travel for church is that you travel for all the other reasons. Mind you, your children who are not deceived, they can remember. They can remember that in our house, faith meant that we don't go to any church events. When camp is announced, it doesn't concern us. The camp does not concern us. The mountain of the Lord convention does not concern us. Eh, 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 put money aside to buy Macarius. It doesn't concern us. Evangelism does not concern us. Eh, take, send your children to the safe church. It does not concern us. 
the, the open heavens does not concern us. Hey, your children, they can see. They are not like us. They are not deceived by all this. I'm working, my job, my this, my job, my that. They are not deceived by anything. It's a type of faith. It's a type of faith that you have. A type of faith that can drive to Maryland to a traditional engagement with children who, who don't speak the language. Why are they, your, your children find it odd and you have taken them. You, have take, you take your children to every kind of occasion. They hear people talking about pastors, saying every kind. It's a type of faith. It's a type. It's a type of faith. It is not a genuine faith. Because a genuine faith changes. Reverend was talking this morning about how when you are born again, there is evidence of the new life. He, he said something that struck me, that Christianity is not a, a, a set of do's and don'ts or regulations. But Christianity still demands an evi some evidence that a new creation lives here. When a new creation lives here, where you go and what you will spend money to, where you will spend money to go, it will be dictated by the word of God. Your pastor can call you. There are times when whoever was my pastor at the time, I'm, I don't mean to go to a certain meeting, but when the person calls and says, you have to come, I go. But there are some people here, I mean, have you seen, there's a lady in the Bible. She's in the Gospels. There's one, um, she said that the judge, she, she went to a judge so often, and they said that the judge neither feared God nor man. You see, at least he was a judge. You, you are not a judge, but you are the same as that judge. You are in this class. You don't fear God and you don't fear man. Your pastor can't call you to travel. Nobody can call you to tell it, do anything. You are in the same class as the judge, and you are not a judge. At least if you were a judge, we would understand. Because being a judge is a high salary. I, have, I, I know a pastor whose friend is married to a, a judge somewhere in the Midwest. And he tells me about the perks of the job and how high it is. Then I have a classmate that on our class group chat, they, everybody calls us her, your ladyship, because she's a judge in Accra. She's become a very important person. But you, you are not a judge. And nobody can tell you anything. Nobody can call you and say, come to, come to the evening service. Nobody can call you and say, you are missing too many weekday services. Nobody can call you and say, okay, since you can't come, start a basenta. You see, I can't see you, so I'm feeling very free. You're all hazy. I have an idea where some of you are sitting. Nobody can call you. Nobody can. And these days, I don't preach a lot. I'm not moved at all. You know, I mean, typically I'm more moved to, but I'm, even since I wear, the, when I wear the reading glasses at all, you see, nobody can tell you, come to camp. Nobody can say, you've, you, whatever you are told, I'm not going. You and the judge. You, are, you don't have a judge's salary. You don't have a judge's perks, but still. The bad side of the judge, you have it to the core. Bring your children to the safe church. The lady Pasanita will call you, it won't work. Rhoda will call you, it won't work. They will beg you. They will say that, oh, we will get you a ride. They will connect you to this person. They will connect you to that person. You know, in this particular branch, sometimes I sit back and marvel. You know, I didn't come here. When I came here, I didn't have, I had given up on a lot of things. You should have, you should have seen me in Newark. You see, in Newark, uh-huh. That one is the first church we started in this country by ourselves, wearing with another pastor. Everything. One used to feel free to go to town. By the time you go around a bit, uh, uh, you can ask all the pastors here, you lose some of the uh, strength for speaking a lot. Some of the vim for saying a lot of things. So I watch Anita and Rhoda. Then they say, we call this person. They say this. They call that person. They say, I say ah. you are just like the judge. And you are not a judge. You are not even, you see, judges in any country or any state, people, people who matter know who the judges are. They know their names. They know where they're going to law school. They know what they have to their credits. They know how close they are to being nominated if their party gets into power. But you, you are not close to being nominated for anything important. But you still can't be told what to do. What will your children remember about your faith? Because you see, children, they are not deceived at all. What that pastor's wife's children said, I've never forgotten. From the first day I heard Bishop say it, I said, ah, that's true. Do I read the Bible because I have to preach a message? Then if you, like when I was brought back to Manhattan and now I'm no longer a pastor in charge of a branch and you don't preach often, 
Does that mean that you are going to stop reading the Bible? Because when in, in our church, the rule is that the senior pastor preaches most of the time. So does that mean that for myself and Lady Pastor Anita and Reverend Patrick and Pastor Eugene, as we are here assisting Reverend Osset, so it means that now we no longer need to read our Bibles? That cannot be faith. That cannot be faith. That is, that, 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 that is something else. That is hypocritical. And you see, when we say to the children, read your Bible, pray every day, if you want to grow. You see, it doesn't change because you grew up. It doesn't change because they made you a pastor or a lady pastor. It doesn't change because they call you reverend. It doesn't change because they call you missus. It doesn't change because you got some professional qualification. You still need to read your Bible and your children need to know that you read your Bible. What will your children remember about your faith? You get me? When we say I believe, for those of us who grew up in Orthodox churches, and um, everyone was talking last week about being baptized, being confirmed, and, and that, that kind of stuff. For some of us, that was our life. You were baptized, then you were confirmed, you went to confirmation classes, Anglican church, this church, that church. There was always something going on. You get me? And so we, we, we kind of equate believing with the things we can say in church. In, in, the, in the Anglican church and the Catholic church, we say all those creeds. So we say things like the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was born of the Virgin Mary, suffer, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sat at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the dead, and their life everlasting. Amen. You see, there are serious Anglicans in the house. So, you see, you can say these things and say that I believe. Because you started the creed with I believe, you think you believe. Because demons believe and shudder. If you actually believe your children will see you reading your Bible every day, they will, they will see you taking um, seriously verses like not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, they will know that in your house. You see, my children at a point, they didn't always like it in middle school and high school. But at, at a point, they don't even bother. When somebody invites them to a party on a weekend that there's something serious, they don't even bother to say it. The answer is always no. The answer is always no. So they are not happy. They will complain about it, especially to, to you, the mother, because you know most kids are more intimidate, intimidated by their fathers, no matter what is going on. So they don't complain. So even though it's their father who said no, I get the, eh, in this house, in this house, what a house, what a house, in this house. You get me? Because they can't, they can't tell. The person who actually said the thing, they can't tell him. You get me? And so when, when you, as a mother, when you also want the answer to be no and you don't want them to overrun you, then you say, ask your father. Because you know that for sure. When he says no, they can't say do anything about it. I mean, there was a time when I couldn't come to church on Tuesdays. I think we were in Holy Cross. I, was, I, I had a job that meant that. And one of my sons had to be picked up from school at 9 p.m. on Tuesdays after some rehearsal. By the time that whole thing happened, that summer, <laughs> Reverend just said, this band over that's it don't join it again don't do it again nothing that's it and i even said that oh but he will be very sad he that's it that's nobody i remember that that particular son he wasn't happy he was angry i did not boys at a certain age they don't cry so he didn't cry he was moody he walked around but most of those things were done around me the person who said it nothing and truly, truly, never again did that, that, nobody, no marching band, no this, no, it all ended. That's it. It's done. What will your children remember? Because you see, it costs something to obey God. It costs something to have a sincere faith. It costs, it will cost you something. If you teach your child that you can do everything and anything and still have faith, it's not true. You can't do everything and anything and still have faith. It's not possible to do that. 
you can't do that. So what would the child remember about basic things in Christianity? Reading the Bible, coming to church, prayer. Would the child remember that in this house, is there ever any prayer in this house? Or we all wait till we get to open heavens. Then we start parading up and down. Then we start, hey, come and see, thanks. I mean, you look, back in the day when I was growing up as a Christian, uh, look, the thanks, there were these brothers in those groups. There weren't so many charismatic churches in Ghana. But when you were taken as a new convert to the gardens in Legon to pray, I mean, you, you can be hit by one of their hands as they are, and they were tall, thick people. And they are, I mean, the level of the prayer, you, you get what I'm saying? But you see, if that is the first time you are praying that week, you should bow down your head and ask God for forgiveness. You see, nobody will know. But between you and God, just tell God, this whole week, I haven't prayed. So forgive me for walking up and down. But actually, if I sit down, I will fall asleep. That is the only reason why I'm walking up and down. But don't, don't walk up and down as though you are some serious person. The song we were singing, I am a friend of God. Don't walk up and down like you are some friend of God's. You are not somebody God knows. God doesn't know what your voice sounds like. When the Bible says that prayer is like incense rising in, I mean, in God's presence, when above your house, Bishop says, there's no incense. No incense. When, 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 when God looks down upon the earth, your house, your room, no incense. No, see, those of you who didn't go to Orthodox churches, you don't, in, in, different types of incense have different smells. And they, 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 the priests, you know, they use different incenses for different occasions. I don't know the different, the different things. But your house, when they are shaking, I believe it's called a censer. When they're shaking the censer, Incense rises, different smells all over the church. I can see the priests in all the various Anglican churches in the regions as I'm talking, as they are shaking. But you see, when God, so when there's, some, there's something in the censer, that is why when the priest swings it, the smell and the smoke come up. But when there's nothing in the censer, so if you think of your prayer as something in the censer, and then there's nothing in the censer, so you're making noise by shouting and swinging your hand. Nothing will rise. There's nothing in the censer. Prayer is the incense. There's nothing in the censer. And that is what your children will remember. Whether there was something in the... In you see, your children know whether in your... When your children are watching you, no matter, by the time a child is about seven or eight, when they are watching you at the prayer meeting, are they going in their heads, hey, what's going on today? <laughs> What exactly is going on today? If you live in a house where the messages are listened to, when the children even see the person who preaches the message, they are different. They are excited. Pastor Bonzi has these uh, sons. The middle one, I think, was born around the time Reverend came to Holy Cross. Nowadays, he's a little more grown up. His love for Reverend, you know, unbridled, I'm feigned, I'm preaching. Mean, you, know, you know, he's just so interested in the person. People who listen to the message are like that. You see, what will your children remember about your faith? Forget about the pastor. You can impress a pastor. Forget about uh, the lady pastor. You can impress a lady pastor. Human beings can always be impressed. You get what I'm saying? What will your children remember about your faith. You know, um, I grew up in a house where I've told you before, we didn't go to church regularly for a long time, for most of my life, actually. The time when they started saying that they were Anglicans very strongly was when I became born again in Legon, and they wanted to stop me from going to meetings like Calvary Road meetings. So my father became very, we are Anglicans in this house. I mean, all the time we were growing up, we went to church Christmas time, Easter, I don't even think in between we went to, no, no, we didn't even go. We lived in the region somewhere. Church was far away. Um, we didn't go. We didn't know when people talk about how they do um, morning devotion in their house. And oh, Sunday morning, we are listening to BBC. I mean, we don't do, we didn't do any of these things. When I became born again, and then I wanted to go to Calvary Road and all these other meetings. Then my father suddenly said that we are Anglicans. We are, went to join some Anglican church by force. Meanwhile, we had been living, we had moved to Accra. Nobody was going to that church until I came home. 
and said that I wanted to be allowed to go to Calvary Road. Then they went to join this church very seriously. My, my mother started going for stations of the cross again. Look, my parents were great parents. I mean, without them, I wouldn't be where I am. But what I'm saying is that a child is not deceived, especially not a 19 or a 20-year-old who has made it to university. You're wondering, what, I mean, since when did this Anglican church become important? We used to go at Christmas time. Come on, you guys, be serious. Let's be serious here. You don't have to go to church because I want to go to Calvary Road. You, you go, but children remember. But you see, we were a generation that could not say anything to us. I couldn't say, what I'm saying, I couldn't say it to my father. Nowadays, he's in, he's in his 80s. I mean, I could, I could probably say it now and get away with it, but I wouldn't. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that I was not deceived. Your children are not deceived. There's, there's a group of people you cannot deceive. They are your children. They know what your marriage is like. Oh, yeah. They know <laughs> whether you are friends in the marriage. They know whether the atmosphere in the house is nice. Your children are not deceived at all. One of the things that as a pastor, one of the signs I learned to look out for in troubled homes was how nervous and tense the children are when they are, when they are younger. Because in a, in a place of constant conflict, children are intimidated terrified. You get, you get me? You, you don't have to... Um, any social worker can tell you that. Any child psychologist can tell you that. And a pastor learns it without taking a child psychology class. Just watch the children. A child from about seven onwards till about 12, when they are teenagers, not, they, they can hide things a little better, but even they um, are affected by it. But younger children, constant tension, constant conflict, insults, um, um, fightings and it intimidates them, it scares them, it changes the personality of the child. Your children are not deceived. This thing when you come in public, this is your PDA, when we are all around, your children are not deceived. If there's PDA, make sure that it is real. Make sure that, they, I mean, deep down, there is real affection, there is real love. Your this one is, by the way, your children are not deceived. I just want to tell you something about a genuine faith. You see, the Bible, there's this verse in the Bible, it says that all things are naked before the one with whom we have to do. When you have a genuine faith and a sincere faith, in the areas of life that only God and you know the truth, you don't, I mean, you, you are okay. You know the truth, God knows the truth, and that's what matters. Too many of us are concerned with the areas of life where other people are watching. So you, 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 you don't do ministry work because, um, because Reverend Osei has arrived in church. Before he walked through the door, were you working? Because you see, the work you do in church, it is for God. So if you're going to do it only when he's around, and when he's not around, no other pastor can get you to lift a finger. It's like, I mean, these people, they are not important. But it's still the work of God, whether he came or didn't come. If you live like that, and you don't live as though it is God's work, every time you get a different pastor, what will you do? What will you do? I, I, I have moved around a bit, even when I wasn't a pastor. In, uh, think about it. I was there when Bishop Dag was our pastor. We used to call him overseer, Calvary Road overseer on campus. Then he became, I think, Pastor Dag at a the point. Then Reverend Dag. Then Bishop Dag. I think by the time I was coming Bishop Dag, I lived here. But like the titles change. So when you arrive here and someone who was a choir director of the mass choir in the university, when you were done with the university, is now the pastor in New York. You won't do the work again. You need Bishop Dag to be physically present before you can do church work. Bishop Dag must be coming for the evangelism before you can do evangelism. Bishop, he's my pastor. Like somebody said, I, I, I listened to the, have you heard this message? You said, I listened to the original. You get me? He's, he's, he's my pastor. 
I, I listened to the original. You're coming to ask me whether I've heard the message. We don't, we don't deal in all these people who are downloading messages. We, are, we listen to the original. So, never mind. So, 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 so what should we have done? Reverend arrived here more than 20 years ago. I came the year after that. You get what I'm saying? So in all these years when we were not even pastors ourselves, the church work was, the Christianity was supposed to stop. If you need your, your first pastor all the time, even if, the, if that pastor f- passes away, what will you do? So what do you teach your children? That some pastors are to be respected, some are not to be respected, some are... What do you teach your children in your own attitude to pastors? They are learning. The thing about learning from people is that we all learn a whole lot more from what people do than from what they say. What you say is important, but what you do is also important. That's why every time there's something to do in church, you take off for something uh, more Because your children will see that our family events in Maryland are more important. You get me? The engagement in Maryland is more important. The funeral in Silver Springs is more important. And you don't do it once or twice. You do it all the time. I, I mean, no, no, when I mention Maryland, I, I have these cousins who live in the Maryland area. They've, these days, they hardly ever call me, but that was my problem. There's an engagement. There's this. There's that. There's that. I mean, and I still have a good relationship with them. I think the relationship has become even better because, you see, I don't join their staff. So since I don't join their staff, I'm never involved in the confusion when it happens. So I don't have a problem with any of them. What I'm saying is that what are your children learning from watching you say you are a Christian? A genuine faith is like Lois and Eunice's faith. When you are gone, it will be remembered by the people closest to you. I have a, my paternal grandmother was illiterate. She, was, um, she had stores in, in, a, in a market area in Ghana called Makola. And she was the first grown-up I ever saw kneeling down to pray. I had never, like I said, you see, Christian home. This Christian thing that we check. I'd never seen it before. We were in her house. And I was tattled in the middle of the night. She was kneeling down, praying at the top of her voice. In gun. I had never, I must have been between 8 and 10. Recently, I think the Holy Spirit let me remember that. I mean, not so recently, but... And I realized that that was what sparked my interest in spiritual things. She was saying the Lord's Prayer in her local language and adding prayer for everybody, her children, her grandchildren. And I believe that it has a great part, a great deal to do with who I am. Because I remember waking up and just staring. First of all, I was terrified. I've never heard anybody. Every time we hear prayer, it's in the church. I told you, with the incense, Christmas or Easter. You get me? So for someone to be kneeling down and actually praying, she wasn't, yes. Those of you who understand. I mean, you know, I had never, and then I remember, I, um, she was saying a Lord's Prayer. I had never, and there was a presence, I tell you. So in a house where most people do not believe, I believe. In a house where most people do not laugh at charismatic pastors, I believe. In a life where, in a house where it is not regarded, they regard PhDs and professions and stuff like that, I believe. It hasn't mattered what any of them has said. And I believe that my ability to continue to believe came from that one woman. You see, a grandmother who, she, 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 couldn't, she couldn't speak English. You would think that she would have the least to do with these children who came from the regions who spoke mostly English. But I think that more than anybody else, and she was also the kind of person who was so strict that my other grandmother was nicer, but she didn't pray. My other grandmother is a whole other story. That's another story for another time. So we prefer, growing up, we preferred my maternal grandmother. My father's mother, oh man. I mean, strictness and discipline, but she was the one who prayed. She was the one who affected, I'm, I'm very, because there's no reason, I don't, as some of us, when we look in our homes, nobody goes to charismatic churches, nobody likes such things, nobody does such things, and nobody does such things in my close family, nobody, for me to believe, it has, it has to be here, for, it, it had, something happened to me that night, just being startled and waking up and listening, some of the words were so big, and my gun wasn't that good. So then I, I went to ask afterwards, what does this mean? What does that mean? And from that time, there was always an interest until the young lady came. 
when I was 11 in secondary school to come and lead us to Christ. You get me? So something makes you different from your people. If you're a mother and a grandmother here today, will your faith affect your children? What could she possibly have left me that would have been of value today? It always hurts me so much. She died soon after I moved here that I never told her this. Because I never put it together until after I had lived here for a while. I think Bishop was asking some questions in some sermon about what makes you different. And I believe it was the Holy Ghost. I remember that incident. You see, so what will your children and your grandchildren remember? Would they remember your hairstyles? Would they remember how expensive your clothes were? Would they remember how if your boss calls and they are offering extra money, nothing can make you come to church? Will they remember? What will your children? There's nothing wrong with your children remembering that you always looked good. There's nothing wrong with your children remembering that you always smelled good. There's nothing wrong with having having any of these things, but would they remember that you love the Lord and that you put loving him above all else? Will they remember that? What will your children remember? When you hang around grandchildren, what would they remember? Would they just remember gossip on the phone? You know, it's amazing how much you can pick up from your, I mean, uh, you see, children can hear a lot of stuff. But even, like, back where we come from, you have been called to come and serve your parents' friends. And as Lady Reverend say, says, you, you walk slowly so that you can hear the end of the conversation. A conversation that doesn't concern you. The only difference being that in our time, when grown-ups are talking, you are listening, but you won't chip in. Uh, this generation, they chip into all our conversations. It's not a problem for them at all. So what will your children remember? Kofi, I'm actually quite lost time-wise. Can someone show me a time card? Okay. Kofi says, I'm done. My time is up. So what I want to say is, that how do you get faith? How do you get faith? Let's talk a bit about how you get faith. You get faith by, the Bible says that in Romans 10, 17, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you want your faith, and then the Bible talks about different types of faith, small faith, great faith, little faith, different types of faith. So if you want your faith to move from small faith to great faith, you have to constantly hear the word of God. So many of us think that we can create an atmosphere around us devoid of the word of God and still be spiritual. You can't do that. No matter who you are, if the atmosphere around you is devoid of the word of God, you are not going to be spiritual. You see, if I, 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 I live, I, I mean, nowadays that we live in Pennsylvania and I mean, we virtually live in the middle of, you know, uh, it's, uh, the houses are far apart and that kind of a thing. I'm even more careful what I watch on TV. Because if you have an empty nest and your husband is working in the night and you have watched there's this really creepy series, um, this detective series is really, really creepy. I can't remember. Tell me one of the scary ones on, I've, I've, I've stopped watching them. Which one? Which one is that? No, no. Uh, Criminal Minds. Yes, that's the one. Oh, man. I haven't watched it in years. And when I knew that I was moving to Pennsylvania, I don't watch it at all. Because Criminal Minds, when you finish watching it, even to sleep is a problem. But you see, there was a time when I used to watch it off and on, but my sons were high school boys and they were in the house. But these days, I don't watch things like that. You get me? It will create a certain environment around you. You are looking at me as though at least me, I watch Criminal Minds. You, what do you watch? You are looking at me like, what do you watch? Uh-huh. Yours, yours, my, mine can generate fear. What does yours generate? No, no, you see, you see, you, 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 you know, you see. What does, you think about it, you, I won't go there at all. But oh, you see, every, it's, it's an environment you have created around yourself. You can play a type of music. You get me? Like Bishop says, the, if the... Uh, um, if the music that David played on the harp drove away evil spirits from King Saul, then there must be a type of music that you can play that invites evil spirits. It just makes sense. Think of where we come from in some environments, even when they start drumming and dancing. I, I, I remember, the, I used to be very interest, interested in the traditional drumming and dancing. I mean, and... Um, I remember we were sitting at an engagement. I had just gotten married. And Reverend said to me, why are you so interested in the thing? Why are you moving? You're sitting down, but you are moving. You get me? Why are you so... Do you know what is behind it? Why are you so interested in it? 
You can, so you create an environment around you. Now look, as we close, if you want your faith to grow, if you want to leave behind a faith that is remembered. You see, faith, someone said, is like a baton. If you pass a baton wrongly in a relay race, it doesn't matter if you win the race. You'll still be disqualified. You get me? So faith is, you have to learn how to pass the baton on to the next generation. And if God blesses you, even to the generation behind them. Now to pass on the baton effectively, you have to be conscious of what you are doing. Even trained athletes go to the Olympics and they drop the baton or they change it wrongly and get disqualified. So when you don't train yourself in spiritual things, definitely you're passing on of the baton. Too much is left to chance. Too much is left to chance. It's true that bad parents can have good kids and good parents can have bad kids, but you are living too much to chance. Learn how to live the life well yourself. You are more likely to pass the baton on right. Mother, this Mother's Day, what will you be remembered for? What will you be remembered for? As we close, I want you to bow down your heads. I want us all to pray, whether you're a mother, spiritual mother, biological mother, whatever type of mother you are, whatever type of Christian you are, you influence people. And I want you to stop and think of what kind of a faith you are passing on. Talk to God. Talk to God about having a sincere faith like Lois, like Eunice, a faith that can be passed on to people, another generation, a younger generation, Timothys who will reach the world for Christ, who will never stop preaching the gospel, no matter where they are. You want to ask God to help you to live a sincere faith. This morning, if you are here, I also want to invite you to give Jesus, to invite you to ask Jesus to be your savior. That's the beginning of a sincere faith. If you are here, you lift up your hand, I'll pray with you. Our Father, we thank you. I thank you for each and every heart in which a sincere faith lives. Each and every heart, Lord. I pray for the grace, Lord to pass on our faith to our children, to our children and to our grandchildren and even beyond them to people who are not our own biologically. May young people learn from us to love and to serve you. May they, may they learn that as, as they serve you, you will bless them. May they not learn bad things from us. May we be teachers of good things. May we be teachers of your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you've been blessed. Come join us for any of our services. Contact us on lci.newyork at gmail.com and visit us on the web at www.lcimanhattan.com.